Before we begin this podcast, if you or someone you know is in crisis or needs emotional support, there are tools that can help. You can call Talk Suicide Canada at 1-833-456-4566, or you can text 45645. Coming in the fall of 2023 in Canada, you can also call 988, just three numbers. You can also call the Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868. And the Trans Lifeline in Canada is 1-877-330-6366. In the United States, 1-877-565-8860. Or call 911. You are not alone, and you do not need to be alone. Welcome to the We Are the ADHD Family Podcast. This podcast is meant to chronicle our family's journey with ADHD, autism, and other discoveries along the way. I reach out to advocates, experts, individuals, and other families that want to raise their voices and empower those on their journey. My name is Mark Smeets, and I am passionate about removing barriers for others through creating connections, building on strengths, and practical problem solving. I am married to Siobhan, a father to two wonderful kids, and all of us have ADHD. We want you to feel like you have power and hope. I would like to honor and recognize the traditional and unceded territories of the Keitsi, Kwantlen, and Semiamu nations on whose territories I live, work, and play. But that's okay. I'm going to let my ADHD brain take over entirely. <laughs> um, welcome to the first episode of we are the ADHD family podcast. My guest today is Patricia Shepard. She is a life skills, na- life skills navigator and executive functioning coach. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me on, Mark. The uh, I was so excited when you asked me. I was as well, and I'm really happy that you're uh, you're my first guest. Um, this is really cool for me. Before we go any further, uh, I just want to do a description for those that are visually impaired. Um, I'm a middle, actually, Patricia, why don't you go first? Uh, I am, I guess I'm considered middle-aged. Um, I am, uh, white and I have shoulder length hair and blue eyes and, uh, I'm wearing a blue shirt today. Cool. And I am a middle-aged white man wearing a red shirt with a collar. I have short brown slash gray hair. And full disclosure, I also have my cat Conan in the room with me. He may not say anything. He may join in. Uh, but he is an orange and has white spots. And um, reminds me very much of Garfield. So uh, if he meows, that's the sound you're hearing. Okay, so um, can you tell me a bit about yourself? Or tell our uh, listeners a bit about yourself. Yeah, I can actually. Um, so uh, I've been working in this field for a long time. I started um, at 16. I was part of the inaugural year of Surrey Parks and Rec, um, their integration program. And it was um, not well thought out, shall we say. <laughs> they threw a bunch of teenagers in as one-on-ones uh, for kids that probably should have had trained facilitators with them. Um, but we muddled through and, uh, it gave me, um, kind of a little bit of insight into what goes on into programming or what doesn't go on into programming. And, uh, so when I started, um, kind of working in the field in my early twenties, 
Um, I worked in what would have been considered a mini institution to start with, with 24 residents. Um, and then I moved on to a, the group home that I worked at for um, over 20 years. And then I did one-on-one -on -one for 10 years with uh, one young man. Um, and then I accidentally started my own business. <laughs> um, when I uh, got laid off from that job because they moved away, I wasn't going to do this work anymore. I was tired. I was tired. I was just like, I just want a job where I can go to work and not just do my work and not be emotionally involved in my work. And uh, then people started asking me, hey, could you just come and work just until you find something else? Could you work with my son? Right. Could you work with my daughter? So I said yes to a couple of friends of mine. And then it just kept building as soon as people found out that I was actually doing it. Um, mm. Then I started to get lots of people asking me or friends of friends referring me. I've never had to advertise for anything I do. I people just kind of show up on my doorstep and go, hey, could you work with my kid? Um, so, yeah, so I accidentally. So I've been doing that for five years now. And uh, so I, I tell people I'm the number one sidekick at number one sidekick services. And uh, cool. yeah. And I uh, technically, if I have to invoice people, I have to put down behavior interventionist, but that is not really what I am. I am a life skills navigator and I uh, lend kids my life skills until we can get theirs put in place. That's what I do. Ooh, I like that. I want to write this down. And, and full disclosure, I take notes. Um, with the way that why my working memory is, is I will either write something out or type it out. And since I'm at the uh, computer, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, but I do absolutely love that. Um, did you? So, I mean, you started this when you were really young. Did you see yourself? Did you ever see yourself as an addict? Like. And I know you've got um, you've got one son, right? I actually have two sons two, and a daughter. Two sons and okay. Um, did I mean this came before kids? Obviously, it's from what it sounds like. So, yeah. did you ever see yourself as an out of the kit, uh, you know, and doing this when you were that age? Um, I don't know that I saw myself as an advocate. Like I was super happy to do it. Um, the kids were amazing that I worked with. Um, and so I, I could see myself doing that kind of work, but I didn't realize at the time how much advocacy was going to have to go into it just as a, like as part of my job. And then um, my son Isaac has uh, dyslexia, dyspraxia, and dysgraphia. And uh, so I did not even know that I was going to have to be advocating for my own kids at some point. Uh, when when our son was born, we we had no idea either. That was that was definitely an interesting wake up call for us, um, because we were, and that's part of the reason. I, I mean, I told you, but as uh, you know, that's part of the reason I started the podcast is because there's that little motto slash mantra I have of I don't want parents to go through what you know my wife and I did and how hard we struggled. And I know there are people that may have struggled worse, and I, I'm not trying to take away from them. And right now, uh, you know, I think we're in a good place, but I know what that's, you know, I know what that feeling is, is like all too well. And you and I have talked about that offline, you know, before too. Um, so then did you, 
I mean, I guess the question is, and uh, I'm not sure if I need to apologize for the language, but did you see yourself as the, do you see yourself as an advocate, an angry parent, or both, or neither? Uh, I am definitely an advocate for the kids that I work with and for the families that I work with. Um, and I do it in some, I think, kind of out-of-the-box oh. ways. So part of what I do is I support the entire family. I never just support one child in the family. Um, so I support the whole family. And part of that is advocating for parents, like helping find them resources, helping them yeah. do paperwork, um, trying to figure out systems, right? Like I spend a lot of my time just like researching, just trying mm -hmm. to figure stuff out for the kids that I work with. And any time they come up with, like a new diagnosis because some of the mm -hmm. kids I work with have very complex diagnosis and I like dive in and learn about that thing. What can we add on that will be very specific to this, that will be helpful and doable because mm -hmm. some stuff is not doable when you, when you live and work in a family, right? One of my families has four children. They can't just focus on one child. It doesn't matter what his needs are all four children have needs, right? So you can't just say, well, you got to do two out, say two hours of physiotherapy a day. That's not, it's not doable, right? It's not doable. So you got to figure out different ways of doing stuff and different ways. I really find with the kids I work with, they're tired of programs. They're tired of learning breathing exercises. They're tired of, doing occupational or physiotherapy things that are boring or speech therapy things that are boring and not fun. Um, so my job is to figure out how to do those things so that it, that's not what it looks like. Cause it yeah. doesn't, none of that stuff has to be boring and yet we make it boring. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, I was thinking about my son's um, DCD and because I think it, I'm pretty sure it's DCD um, because he had such a struggle with his uh, fine motor skills. Um, one of the ways that instead of saying, you know, let's go work on our writing, you know, which he's going to do at school anyways. Uh, one of the things that we would end up doing is, you know, we'll play video games and he'll play on his Nintendo and, you know, I'll play on, on the PC and, and we've got the Minecraft thing going on too, but we'll play Fortnite together. And that kind of quick reaction I find has helped him with his writing along with the practice that he'll do at school and so forth. And I think that's, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's been a really, I think that's been a good factor for him in, in improving those skills. Um, because I remember back last year, you know, he could not stay in the lines for any of the stuff and the stuff that he did. And he was, you know, I mean, certainly, you know, far behind, but now it's like, wow, this is, he's, he's come such a, such a long way in such a short period of time. Um, so I think things like that are, 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 are crucial. Um, out of curiosity. So how do you define advocate the word? somebody that's willing to push back, somebody that's willing to push back against the system because the systems that are in place around all sorts of things, not just around this, like even in general, the school system, 
is not set up, uh, is not actually set up to accommodate parents or students or even teachers particularly. Um, so you need people that are, um, that are will. so there, there's a kind of two prong thing here. You need people that are willing to push back, to stand mm -hmm. up and say, this is not right, to be that loud voice. And you need people that can be within the system and work within the system and try to change things within the system. Okay, that's that's not me. I'm not the work within the system person. I'm the loud pushback person. Um, and I think you need both of them if we're going to actually yeah. the system, right? Because as soon as I come up against the system um, with my best ninja moves, they're blocking them, right? They they don't always want to work with me because it's change and it usually make it doesn't make their job easier. What I want them to do for the kids I work with does not make their job easier. Um, and I've not figured out a way to make it so that their job is actually easier because I would if I could. Um, but and it's so it's my job to advocate for individual children, right to try to get their needs met. The people within the system, they're trying to advocate for all the children in the system. And there's a place wow. for both of those things, mm. right? I think we need both of those things going on or the system is never going to change. Yeah. Do you, out of curiosity, do you think that that definition of that willing to push back against the system and working within the system, can it be <laughs> one person or does it have to be two separate people? That's a good question. I think for me, because I don't work well within the system, mm. right? Like that is why I don't, that's why I have my own business um, because I don't work well within the system. Um, I am very good at pushing back against the system and I do it nicely. I'm never like rude or right. It's not like that kind of pushback. Um, but, but I am pushy about it. Like around when we talk about words matter, um, I'm insistent when I'm in meetings that we replace the word accommodations with tools. Now I know they write on their forms accommodations because that's what they need to do to get stuff done, right? But in the meeting, when we're talking about it, I'm very firm on, I want the word tools. And when I write reports, I write tools. I don't write accommodations. Um, all, everybody that I work with knows how passionate I am about that. And mo most people are pretty easygoing about it, but I know when they go and write their notes, they write accommodations. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me wonder what, you know, what step an administrator or a teacher, that sort of thing, what step that they'd be willing to take to change, to make that change as well, because, and I don't want to say it's, it's easy for us per se, because that's kind of, a weird way to say it, but, um, you know, if teachers all of a sudden or EAs or whoever, or the uh, school-based team, uh, the S, you know, SBT, who's the typical acronym you hear, if they start writing those things down there, you know, is all of a sudden everybody going to get in trouble and people are going to be like, why is everybody writing tools down? Like, I wonder, I wonder from that point of view of where the pushback would, would sort of be and really, how difficult is it to change one word? And, you know, a word that shows neutrality as opposed to um, we're doing you a favor <laughs> kind of thing. Exactly, right. Um, the, 
we've got i was gonna i was gonna ask you when did you that point of what advice do you have for someone ready to take up the fight this kind of fight that that's a that, that is a tricky question um you need you need to be really good with holding your boundaries right about what what you will and will not um let go because you can't fight every fight right like i can't fight every fight going into a meeting um for the most part um i always feel it's a bit of a miracle that i'm invited to meetings <laughs> um because technically like they don't have to invite me to iep meetings i don't work within the school system at all at all and i know eas is what they would sort of equate me with and the eas are not generally invited to iep meetings either mm -hmm. um so but my parents have all been really good about wanting me on board um when we do um when we do do meetings uh, so I've been to quite a few of them and people have always listened respectfully, but you have to mm -hmm. kind of know going into it. What, what are you going to pick your fights about? Yeah. Right. Like, and you can only ever get like a couple of points in there, right? Like you can't fight the whole thing all at once. So what, what are the, I generally pick what are the most important things to my families, right? I mm -hmm. talked with my families beforehand. What are the most important things to you? What do mm -hmm. you want? Um, and then, um, and then I always give them my best suggestions when, if they ask, they hardly ever follow them because how I work is very much outside the box that they're used to. Um, so they often don't put much credence in my stuff, even though it works really well. Well, and it's interesting because I think the other aspect to this is, and this might have been a question I sent you already, and just to be, a, you know, fully transparent for anybody that's listening is that um, I, you know, like Patricia's seen a bunch of the questions that I've asked for and she's helped me cultivate quite a few of them and they're awesome. Um, <laughs> the, the hard thing, and I can't remember where I wrote this down, but when you've got a parent I think the the challenge on the parenting end is that when you've got a parent that's stressed out, triggered, and really just emotionally upset, and I know, you know, my wife and I were like that, um, trying to be part of something that, you know, is going to make it better, it can be really emotionally exhausting. And it takes time to, to sort of build that up, find your energy and, and, and get along with and go along with it. It makes it tricky sometimes. Um, speak speak to the young person who just found out they are ADHD or they're autistic, what advice would you have for them? Um, take some time, step back and take some time. Um, and I think look and see how you see that that diagnosis fits on you because there's no, they always say that there's no, there, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. So you're not going to fit every single thing um, in ADHD or autism, find how it fits for you. And then celebrate that you know more about yourself now, because that's all a diagnosis is a diag if if I could get if I could get away with never actually diagnosing kids, that we could just look at 
this is what they need help with. This is what we're going to do. And it shouldn't matter about the diagnosis, right? Mm. And it does all too much. You can't get, even if you have the exact same set of problems, but you don't have a diagnosis, you don't get any funding. You don't get any help. Um, and not that there's, there's not a ton of funding and help anyways, but right. What little there is, if you don't have, if you don't have a diagnosis. So I will tell them, look, like there's going to be this set of funding and that will help you um, get services. Um, and then you just can read up on it and figure out what fits you and what doesn't fit you. Right. So it's helpful in knowing yourself. It's helpful in helping to decide what kinds of things that might help you. I only got diagnosed with ADHD in the past year. I'm 57 years old. <laughs> that's now, funny because that's, I mean, that, that, that was me last, I mean, that was me at 47 last year. And, uh, <laughs> and my wife for that matter, just a couple of weeks ago at 44, like finally I can, things for me, at least, you know, they fell in a lot of it fell into place, thankfully. Um, but I like what you're saying about that. And I wish, I wish the system was like that. I wish, I wish things were that, um, I guess, transparent, you know, what somebody actually needs to, to be successful. Here's the tool, go on with that. But instead we're fighting over, um, you know, we fight over, over, over funding and things like that. And that makes it, that makes it really tough. Thank you for listening to the We Are the ADHD Family podcast. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would make a great guest, my contact information is in the show notes. This podcast is open to everyone. You don't need to be an expert, just passionate and want to see change. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are not associated with any employer or organization unless otherwise stated. We are the ADHD Family.